Um, Hebrews. <coughs> Good name for a Christian coffee shop, right? Oh. <laughs> Have you not heard that one? No? <laughs> Hebrews 4. <laughs> you just get it. The other one is Holy Ground. With a W at the beginning. We won't be calling this place any of those names. It was something cool, I'm sure. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and active. Maybe you're holding it on your phone. Maybe you've got an actual book. The Word of God is not an information manual. It's living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges this book Wow, it reads you as you read. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And there's a scary bit. Here's why a lot of us don't like to open it. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Oh dear. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. Listen to this line. Let, let, let. Should we go old Penty for a minute? You see, I'm not the kind of preacher that minds preaching about repentance and making people slightly scared. We serve a holy God, amen? So let let a little shiver go up your spine. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. One day you will stand before God and give an account for your life, your decisions, your behaviours, your words. I think one of the scariest verses is that one where it talks about don't let any careless talk come out of your mouth. Oh boy, that's had me on my knees a few times, anybody? Because what person in the room hasn't at some point let careless stuff come out of their mouths? And here's the thing. So, the Word of God is alive and active and sharp and penetrates right into our lives. Why do we need the Word of God? It's because we need a plumb line that is not our own hearts. Amen? The baby said amen. We need a plumb line, because I don't know about you, I like to think, here's the power of self-deception, I like to think I'm sensible. Have you ever met someone and they go, I'm really sensible? In your head you're going, no, no, no. And then someone else goes, I'm really good with people, and you go, and some, some, it's the best one, isn't it, when people say this, I'm really humble. And you're like, because oh, all of us have got great corners of self-deception. Yeah. All of them. I do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. We all do. And you know, every now and then, I, I've discovered, I've been, a, I've been a pastor, you know, well, way too long. Right? And here's something I've discovered. Right? I'm weird. No, no, don't laugh. You won't like the next bit. You're really weird too. We're all slightly peculiar, aren't we? We've got our foibles and our funny little ways. And isn't it funny how, how, how you can you can have an interaction with someone and you haven't meant anything of what's gone on, but but offence happens. Or, or the other time you can come over here and go, oh, I think I really put my foot in it there. And they go, I didn't even notice. Didn't cross my mind. Because we're all wired so different. We need an indiscriminate 
objective. I was trying to work out whether it's subjective or objective. I always get them mixed up. We need an objective plumb line to go, God, as I stand before you here today, what needs to change in my behavior? What needs to change in my thinking? And, see, and the, the Bible does that. You know, it, for example, now, we, we always go to, you know, uh, 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 we always go to things like morality and stuff like that. But come over to another side. I found on YouTube, I like to listen to the Bible while I sleep. And I found, I think it's a YouTube channel called something like Sleep Is My Friend. And, and you can hear Darth Vader reading the Bible. But he's not doing it in Darth Vader voice. What's that that American actor called who does? Was oh, he English? Um, Was it? And anyway, he's got a great voice. So I, so I found it on YouTube, and, and he's reading the New Testament and reading through. And here I, I wake up in the middle of the night at little different moments, and he's reading the Gospels. And I, and I wake up just for a moment, and I can hear it's the tail end of a healing story. And in the deep voice of the man, he says, your faith has made you well. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. And I fall asleep again. And I, and I woke up ten minutes later, be it done to you according to your faith. <laughs> and then, it's like I kept waking up for the, you know, I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even in the middle of the night, randomly listening to various phrases, hitting my heart from the gospel, God starts to speak to me. Faith, Jared. Faith. You got saved through faith. You need to do everything else through faith. Oh, so where are you losing faith? Well, we all lose it in subtle ways, but we don't always address it quick enough. You're loved, and you need to grab that by faith. You're going to make it through, and you need to grab that by faith, because your faith begins to activate the kingdom of God in your life. So we might think it's holy to sit there in misery thinking I'm an awful human being and life is letting me down. But actually it does you no good. Yeah. I, oh, who, who was it that they said, um, St. Augustine I think it was, they used to say he had ambidextrous faith. Because in one hand he had the reality of the trials of life. And in the other hand he had trust in God. And life is about pulling real life into the place of trust. Not Sunday morning life. Yeah. Not yeah. just forgiveness for my age-old past. But how am I going to get through this week? Come on, you're walking into that office. You're going for an interview. You've got to deal with a difficult staff member. You've got to make a decision. Oh, kids, right? That would bring your faith up. Sorry, Zach, but, you know, <laughs> big faith venture, right? So you've got the reality of life. Come on, has anybody had anything going a bit wrong? Yeah. It might be internally. We were talking about it earlier. Let's go deeper. Your mental health. Most in this room, at some point, will go through a stage in life when your wiring begins to frazzle and you begin to feel things you've never felt before and you might begin to have the thoughts, am I going a bit doolally? Am I going a bit mad? And dark thoughts might come your way. That's real life. It's not just Sunday morning, can I get up and preach or can I sit? Real life is happening to all of us every day, right? Yeah. Now, this is faith. You then take a perfect God who intimately understands every part of you and you pull those together and you say, Father, 
I trust you with my mental health. Even though I might be limping today, you will get me through. I trust you in the midst of suicidal thoughts that you are the life giver who understands me so deeply. And sometimes God might be the only friend you can be that honest with. This is really what's going on in my heart. But you've got to understand, you've got a God in heaven that the whole Bible shows us. His word is living and active and he's showing us this. I get you. I made you. And I weep when you weep and I understand your pains. And he came down and lived on this timeline of earth so that he knew, he knows what it feels like to live as a human being. Stress, stress to the point of sweating blood. Rejected to the point of alone on a cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet somehow in the midst of that, he can access. Father, forgive them. You know, you can only do that when you know the word. When you know how God thinks and you know how God feels and you know that actually we tend to (laughs) focus in the Bible on the short victory stories of the mountaintops and we forget that between every mountaintop there's usually a valley lasting years. And God says, yeah, yeah, don't just focus on the moment Daniel stepped out the lion's den. Maybe then focus on the next decade when you don't hear a word from him. But God walked through that den, through that valley too. That's the God that we have. But we only know it when we open this word and it begins to read us. And we begin to see how God interacts and speaks to us. The word of God, living and active, is the plumb line that will transform us. Amen? Amen. Love the Word of God. I hope you're getting your emails and looking at them for how little ways to fall in love with the Bible this Christmas. Because if you do, it will transform you. Do you know? Here's a weird one. Jesus was the Word, but he still read the Word. You would think of all the people on the planet that didn't need to quote scripture, it would be Jesus. So I don't know about you. Let me be a bit rude because I'm good at that. It's really dumb to think we don't need the Bible. (laughs) If the Word of God was living by the Word of God and quoted it endlessly and respected it and considered it to be God His Father's Word, how much more do we go, right, I want my whole being to line up with the Word of God. And I'll only do that by reading it, listening to it, changing my life to line up with it. Amen? Amen. How long we got? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Anybody do woodwork in school? Don't they do that anymore? A complete silence. Did you? You're and yet you built a wonderful baffle box for them to keep the heater quiet. I remember doing woodwork in school. Um, you know, you put a bit of wood in a lathe. The clamp. Is that a lathe? Vice. Vice. That's the word. And we're just learning how planes work. You know what a plane is. Not worrying about... And everybody shoot. 
when everybody goes shoot, 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 it's lovely, isn't it? When you get that little curl of a bit of wood, it comes out, and uh, everybody's shooting away across the classroom, and there's me. You're going against the grain. You're going across the grain. He came over, just turned the wood around. One thing that we need to learn, and the word of God does, is which way does God's grain go? In other words, how can I make life work well for me? You can love God, but be living a life. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm planning like everyone else. Yeah, but some things are this way when they need to be this way. And the Word of God will line you up. How to live. How to think. How to do morality. How to do marriage. How to do conversations. How to do loyalty. Oh, here's a big one. How to do forgiveness. It's all in there. But you see, the point, the problem is not that we don't understand the Bible. Often it's we already know we don't like the contents of it. That's the problem of the world right now. If you talk to morality in the world right now, it is not that people don't understand it. It's not that Christian morality is vague or difficult to understand. It's so simple, everybody hates it. It really is simple. Right? Marriage between a man and a woman. I say this on the first day that the Church of England can now give same-sex blessings, right? Let's be really clear. God loves gay people I've had gay people live with me in my home I've got no problem with that whatsoever but here's the thing God is not going to ever start calling things that are righteous evil and things that are evil righteous and it's the Bible that says this is how to live this is right and wrong you do it with forgiveness you do it with non-crankiness come on somebody you don't need to be a cranky Christian but know this but I know how God thinks about marriage, about morality. I know how God thinks about sex. I know what God thinks about what I should allow in my mind or not. I know what God says about forgiveness. And so when I open the word, it judges me. So listen, every time you open the book and you go, I don't agree with it, that's perfect. That means change is about to happen. Something's going to change and it won't be God. He is an immovable object. But I want to redo morality in my own image. You are are living a life and we're going to end up in pain. But if I just turn the block around and go, how's about I do this God's way and I get God's honour and I get God's favour and I get God's joy in my life. Something beautiful happens. The Bible says repentance is really important. Let's do a bit on repentance. That will cheer everybody up on this Christmas morning. You thought I was going to do a Christmas sermon, didn't you? I like what you said about women are better than men. Do you know that the shepherds in the Bible that uh, the angels appeared to were probably young girls? You never find that on a Christmas card, do you? You, you go to the Middle East, the shepherds are often yeah. the children from the house. 
I mean, King David was a shepherd boy, he had no sisters. But often it was just, just look after the sheep. It was often the young girls. Think of it, God decides to show himself to, to wise men, but also a load of shepherd girls. Go on, tell a person next to you, look surprised. It might have been shepherd girls. I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying it might have been. So I like the whole, you know, women are better than men thing. Here's the New Testament. Let me, let me do some scriptures real quick. Repent therefore. This is New Testament, right? Everybody say repent. repent. Yeah, they just mean change your mind, turn around. Hit the immovable object and change. But you need to know what the change is and it's all here in the Word. Read the morality pieces in the epistles. Ephesians, we love the first half. The second half, not so much. But it's telling us how to live, how to speak, what to do with our lives and our hearts, right? Repent therefore and turn to God so you're going with the grain of heaven so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing follows repentance. If we're finding our our Christianity dry, I don't know about you, just the wonder of saying, God, forgive me, wash me. I want to live your way. I want to live your way. And when we give up, the refreshing comes from heaven. Proverbs 30 verse 12 says, there's a class of people who are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed from their own filth. Sin is still filthy to God, right? And so we come to God, we give it to God, He washes us, cleanses us. Everything that needs to change is written in this book. It's real simple. So here's the subtle thing that happens when we fail to read the Bible. We begin to call things that are sin good. Because nothing is challenging our hearts. We are avoiding the challenge of the piercing sword of God. Now it's not just things like morality or forgiveness. It's also things like you're more loved than you will ever know. And it's all over the pages of that book. It is a love letter when you read it right. Amen? Amen. But here's what happens. Listen to this. This is John Henry Jower uh, uh, from The Grace Awakening. Sin is a blasting presence. And every fine power shrinks and withers in its destructive heat. Every spiritual delicacy succumbs to its malignant touch. Listen to this real careful. Sin impairs the sight. And takes us toward blindness. Sin numbs the hearing and makes men deaf. Sin perverts the taste, causing men to confound the sweet with the bitter and the bitter with the sweet. Sin hardens the touch. Here's the result of a heart that's lost the word and lost repentance. Sin hardens the touch and eventually renders a man past feeling. It's like leprosy. What is leprosy? I'm told, essentially, you cannot feel that you are injuring yourself. And that's what a life that doesn't allow the sword of the Spirit and the lightness of it and the joy of it and the the releasing from burdens that the Word brings when we go, okay, God, I line my heart up with yours. Right. Take forgiveness. That's it. Anybody here got anything to forgive? You look so holy. (laughs) You look awesome. But there are probably names from your past you can think and your, 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 your skin will flush with agita- agitation 
at the thought of occasions and moments in the past and things said, anybody? Just me, all right, let's pretend it's just me. And we can fall into righteous indignation or grumpiness or, or surely, because some things are really bad, right? You go, God, I cannot for forgive that. That's just inhuman. But then the word comes to us and makes it so clear. Forgive. Yeah. Release. Yeah. Love covers over a multitude of sins. But God, yeah. that's not fair. No, no, no. It's not about freeing them. It's about freeing you. Yeah. you you've got to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. So you get this challenging word and you avoid certain verses in the Bible and you certainly avoid 1 Corinthians 13, all the love bit. Love is patient. <laughs> love is kind. <laughs> does not envy, it does not boast. All these things that show us the character of God. And slowly, the sword penetrates and reads us and says, Jared, no, 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 not good enough. So God, what level of forgiveness is the level I should be at? Hanging on a tree, still saying, I forgive you. Yeah, that's right. You're crazy. No, 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 it is complete liberation. Yeah. It is not endorsing. You don't let untrustworthy people back into your life. You certainly do not let abusers back into your life. But to be in that place of complete, I forgive him. You know, but you've got to find your own lines to help you. Do you know my line? It's above my pay grade. I don't have to think what happens to them. I don't even have to think what's right or wrong. Sometimes we've got to have a whole bucket of stuff in our lives where we go, working that one out is above my pay grade. I just release them. Because it's the way the Word tells us to do it. The world won't tell you. The world will say, hold a grudge. The world will even dress it up in righteous indignation. But the Word goes, the very people that cried Hosanna can days later cry, crucify Him. And you have to hang there and know that you are loved so much by God that you can say, my times are in His hands. Those who love me are in his hands. Those who hate me are in his hands. What happens to them is above my pay grade. I forgive. Yeah. And then you go, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. My heart just suddenly feels lighter. Ah, times of refreshing. Ah, oh, my quiet times are coming alive again. Times of refreshing. Ah, oh, the Bible is coming alive again. Times of refreshing coming from the Lord. Why? Because I did it his way. Sheep, sheep. Sheep. Just doing it his way. What are you not doing God's way? Yeah. Might be a little thing. Might be something that you really know well. Or maybe it's something you're about to discover. I thought it was okay to be like this. And now God's challenging me to be like this. Repentance is not God being nasty. Repentance is God wanting to bless us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Turn the wood around Jaron. Yeah. Now do it. You go, oh God, yes. This feels good, right? Then you wake up at three in the morning and you turn the wood back around. <laughs> I don't really well care. Then <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you open your Bible and you know it's all about forgiveness and then turn the wood back around. Oh yeah. Come on, isn't this what real Christianity yeah. is? Like, right? yes, is. Difference at three in the morning on a Wednesday yeah. and 10.30 in the morning on a Sunday, right? So we've got to take this word, get it right into us. Yeah. 
Yeah. So God, line up my heart. You, you are the maker. And these are the maker's instructions. Yeah. But so much more. It's also the maker's power, the maker's light, the maker's favor, the maker's love, the maker's kindness. Fall in love with the Bible. Yeah. Not because he wants to tie you up. No. Because he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. What from? From you. Yes. Really? Yeah. My biggest battle? Isn't my biggest battle the devil? Oh no, I've probably never ever met the devil. And you probably haven't either. He's far too busy. My biggest enemy is in here. But every time I line up my stinking thinking with his love and his grace and his ways, life goes well with you. Let's stand together in his presence. We're going to sing a carol in a moment, but let's pray for a second. And just close your eyes in his presence. The Word of God is living and active and sharp and penetrates right into my soul. It shows me what's godly, what's ungodly in me. Not to condemn me, but to set me free so I can run in the ways of God. It judges my thoughts and my attitudes, but that judgment is good. It's like saying, come on, here's a way to do that better. Nothing in my life is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Here's my advice. Make your account to God today and not when you stand before Him in eternity. Say, God, okay, this isn't right. I'm going to get it right. Before the favour lifts, before my life turns into a juddering piece of wood on the vice, God, I give you my life. The Word came into the world at great cost. And the Bible, too, has been born down the centuries to be on our phones and our bookshelves at great cost. I pray that the word would live in us this Christmas the word would come alive to us to set us free from condemnation to set us free from wrong thinking this Christmas the word became flesh so that flesh could become the word God, I pray that the skeletal structure of our life would be your word this Christmas. Set us up, line us up for an incredible 2024. We want to do 2024 your way. We don't want to run ahead with this place. We don't want to to carry burdens from the past into the future. We thank you that your word is full of liberty and joy and strength. So God, help us to fall in love with your word this Christmas. If there's anyone here, you've never given your life to Jesus. You never invited him in. But you can just do that right now. Just say that to God. I invite you in. 
as the carol says, be born in me today. Jesus, God, come and live in my life. Help me to get to know you. I need to be set free from me. I need to be set free from sin. And I need to be set free from my past. Jesus, be born in me today. Be born in me.